0: Thanks so much for joining the New Life Rabina podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planning and leading thriving local churches. You've joined us as we explore what is darkness to light. Easter is a time of renewal and rebirth where we reflect on the teachings of Jesus and the ultimate act of love that He showed us on the cross. Through His resurrection, we are given the gift of eternal life and the promise of forgiveness. We pray this message brings hope, redemption and faith. Hey friends, I'm excited for today. I'm blessed that I get to preach Easter Sunday. Would you join with me as we just pray? Um, Just pray God would move in and amongst us. God, we ask You today. Before we ask, we actually just acknowledge You are with us. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Wherever we are, online or in the room, I pray, would we use still our hearts today to hear your voice? I believe there are people here today that need to know the hope of the resurrection. Soften our hearts to the truth of your Gospel. For your glory and our good, we pray. Less of me, more of you, and all God's people said. Amen. Have you ever had a bad day? More people have had a bad day than watched Art Attack in 1990s, that's for sure. Have you ever had a bad day? I've had a bad day. Now, I'm not sure if you're having a bad day or if you've had a bad day. I pray it's the latter. But about two years ago, uh, my wife and I welcomed into the world our second child, Benna. And when Benna was about eight weeks old, Sarah, my wife, had to go in for surgery, which is a pretty, it's a pretty daunting thing when you've got a child eight weeks old. So we prepared for it. We've got a bunch of milk in the fridge and all that kind of stuff. And, and Sarah went in for surgery. She was going to be out of action um, for five days and was unable to like, really take care of the kids for a couple of weeks. Uh, but, and so I, as the husband, was like, this is my time to shine. I'm going to show that I can you know, juggle everything all together. So we, my, the boys, Archer, my two-year-old at the time, and, and Benna, my eight-week-old, we, they came along with me to hospital. It's a bit fragile, a little bit afraid. They'd never really known what a hospital was. And, and so just walking them through that and seeing mum not well was you know, a little bit scary. And I, I, was, I mean, I was fragile too, but I was put on a tough face and being a good dad and Sarah goes are you sure you're gonna be okay I said sweetheart you married well I got this I got this, you just, boys, you sit back and relax. So we went down and we jumped into the car at the Gold Coast University Hospital and and, uh, I put the boys in and then we drove out and I'm starting to merge onto the highway but the light changes to yellow and so I'm like, responsible dad. So I slam my foot on the, not slam, I gently eased the brakes on and as I did slam my foot on the brake, I feel this boom in the back of my seat. Not the car, my seat. Now he is, ow, dad. And I realise I turn around and Arch in the back seat on the ground, go, you didn't strap me in. And I'm like, okay, 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 this is all good, this is fine. No one's hurt, everyone stop crying. I go in and strap and he's like, mommy would never fit you be quiet here. <laughs> right, so we jump in the car, get onto the highway, come home, it's time for a nap. Now, the arch was still napping back then. So I put the boys to sleep and I go get changed. And uh, you know, as you do when you're home alone, I was getting changed. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I mean Mondays, but I'll go down and make myself a cup of coffee. I can do that, you know, it's, just, it's due time. So I went downstairs and I started making myself a cup of coffee in something called an AeroPress. And, uh, and as you, I'm pushing down the AeroPress, the AeroPress collapses and all the boiling hot water drenches the front of my body, uh, scalding all areas that you can't see right now, which was such a blessing to me. And I'm thinking, today could not get any worse. Lo and behold, I love a good challenge. So there's this moment when the boys wake up and then Ben is coming downstairs, I carry him down, eight weeks old, can't walk yet. So, so he's there and I'm thinking, oh, it's time for his feed. So I go to the fridge, I get out the bottle and I remember Sarah said 30 seconds in the microwave. So I put it in the microwave, type in 30 and then press start. And I go over to hang out with the boys and we're hanging out, we get lost in play. Cars are flying, everyone's having a good time. 20 minutes goes by and I'm like, I've not heard the microwave din yet. So I go to the microwave and there is a curds and whey creation. I didn't press 30 seconds, I pressed 30 minutes. And so here we have this thing, and I'm like, if I open this, I'm not gonna be scolded here, I'm gonna be scolded here in my face. And all the boys now are crying, I'm crying, everyone's crying, we're like, where's mommy coming home? And Sarah's like, I flippin' love hospital food. This is the best thing ever, right? Have you ever had a bad day like that? Have you ever had a bad day like that? I hope today's not as bad as that. But when I think of bad days, I can't help, but remember Easter was actually filled with bad days. Friday was a particularly bad day for the disciples. And when they woke up on Saturday, it would have been that moment, right? We've all had it. That moment where you wish that the day before was just a dream, but the crushing reality of our current moment hits us. And as we step into this time, there's this sense of like, we wake into the day and it just doesn't taste very good. That would have been the reality of Easter Saturday for the disciples, Easter Saturday for the women. It would have been this reality that they would have had this anxiety, this sense of this, this maybe despondency hanging over them, friends. Theologians actually say we live in an Easter Saturday world. We talk a lot about Good Friday. We race to Easter Sunday, but we don't talk much about Easter Saturday, do we? The day of unmet expectations the day of scalding hot boiling water, the day of crushed hopes, the day of bad diagnoses, the day when when things just don't work out the way we wish they did. Easter is about those kind of days. And in Luke chapter 24, verse one, we read this on the first day of the week, the day after Easter Saturday, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. These women, after having a whole day a whole day to meditate that their son, their brother, their friend, their Messiah, their Saviour, the Lord of all divine meant to come and invade this world with goodness died. They wake up on Sunday and while Saturday was Sabbath so they couldn't do anything, I also wonder if they woke up on Sunday and have you ever had that moment when life is so overwhelming but you've just got to do something? And so they end up going, let's, let's go to the tomb following tradition and custom they carry spices with them to the tomb. But I wonder if it wasn't just spices they were carrying on that day. I wonder if they were carrying more. Carrying things maybe you and I carried into this room today. Hurt, darkness, disappointment. Because friends, we do live in an Easter Saturday world, don't we? We live in an Easter Saturday world then so many times we feel like our dreams have not turned out the way we hoped. I reckon when the women were on the way to the tomb that day, they were carrying things like darkness. I think we know the power of this word, the power of this word called darkness because we feel darkness in our world. With wars in Ukraine, corrupt politicians in Australia, not all politicians are corrupt, but we know there's corruption. We know the weight of darkness, right? When you turn on the news and there's more for us to be concerned about than there is to be joyful about, and some of you even know the reality of darkness in your own life. That there is a darkness even in your soul. And you carry it all the time. Easter is about those who know darkness. Maybe when they're on the way to the tomb on that Sunday morning after a bad day, Easter, Saturday, they knew the power of the word hopeless. <laughs> if there was never more fitting sermon analogy than that, I said to the team, the one thing I want to avoid is crouching down and bending over in front of the camera this morning. (laughs) Easter is about humility, (laughs) hopeless. I think we know the sting of the word hopeless, hey? There are some of you here today that your life is defined by medical diagnoses that you can't change, it's hopeless. There's some of you here today that your marriage, your family, your friendships are broken, they're hopeless. It wasn't just the women on the way to the tomb that you hopelessness. Friends, do we not know the reality of a hopeless world? We we maybe on the way to the tomb, another word, it's just maybe that stung them that we carry also into the room today. Maybe they carried guilt. They didn't speak up enough at the trial. They hadn't said, no, no, Jesus is a good man loudly enough for everyone to hear. Maybe, just maybe in that moment, They carried the guilt of not having done enough whilst Jesus was alive. Friends, I think there are people in this room today who are carrying guilt. Guilt of a bad decision, a bad moment, a terrible idea. There are some of you today that are Christians in this room and you're like, I'm not meant to feel guilty, but I do feel guilty. I carry the weight of things that I wish weren't my reality anymore. There's some of you in this room today who don't yet know Jesus and you know, whether you're online or here sitting in one of these seats, you know the reality of guilt. I wish it hadn't happened, but it did. The most powerful word they carried on that day, I think, was the word death. They knew the reality of death, and don't we? There would not be very many people in this room that haven't cried beside a funeral that haven't actually felt the sting and pain of loss. There are mothers and fathers over in Europe right now who are burying sons and daughters too young because of war. There are refugees who are displaced, worried about will they actually make it to tomorrow. There's even things like the cost of living crisis and we're asking the question, will we be able to survive? There are people in this room that the cost of living crisis isn't a news headline, it's a reality of your household. And to these moments We realise that this is so often how we describe our world. And here's the thing. Here's what I know. I believe this wasn't the way the world was meant to be. A guy named N.T. Wright says it like this. He says that death is the ultimate enemy because it is the final result of sin in this world, the great interruption of God's original plan. Friends, ultimately, each of these words that are before you today, they're not God's intended reality for our world. But here's my question. If I was going to give you a paintbrush today and ask you to come and write your own word on this canvas, what would you write? What would be your Easter Saturday reality? I think someone in this room might write addicted. Someone in this room might write unfaithful. Someone online might say untrustworthy, unforgiven failure, broken. We all have words. We all have something to write. So the beauty of Easter is that we can only know how good it is if we know how dark it was. The beauty of the empty tomb is we can only rejoice and celebrate and praise if we know the reality of the sting of not only death, but the sting of guilt, the sting of shame, and the sting of darkness and hopelessness. Because the truth is, friends, these words before you may be words we experience in our world, but they were not the way God created the world to be. Fiona preached a beautiful message on Friday where she reminded us that sin entered into the world because man didn't want anything to do with life. We didn't want nothing to do with God. And so we walked our own way, separating ourselves from life, which meant in Romans 6 verse 23, that the wages of sin is death. God never longed for death, for guilt, for hopelessness and darkness to be the way of the world. God did not long for sickness. God didn't create this world to be filled with hopelessness. But it's the world that we live in and we have to ask the question, so what happens next? Fleming Rutledge, sorry, N.T. Wright would say this, death is the enemy of God's purpose and it is our enemy as well. We were not created for death, but for life. So what do we do about death? Fleming Rutledge would go on to say, from beginning to end, the Holy Scriptures testify that the predicament of fallen humanity is so serious, so grave, so irredeemable from within that nothing short of divine intervention can rectify it. Some of you are thinking I misspelled a line on that PowerPoint, I just can't say that word fast. What is she saying here? The only way forward is if the divine interrupts. But didn't the divine interrupt the story? Didn't God send Jesus? And this is the the story of the women at the tomb. They're going, the divine did interrupt and the divine lays dead. It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. If the story, friends, ends on Friday, then nothing moves past Easter Saturday. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17, Paul writes to the Corinthian church and he says, so he says this, he says, and if Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Friends, if you're a Christian in this room today, there is no question that we must believe in a resurrected and risen King. Why? Because if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, it's simply this. Paul goes on to say, we should be pitied. We should be counted foolish." Because why are we in this church today if there is not something beyond Easter Saturday? But if there isn't, then welcome to the words that will describe our world for the rest of time. Our world is nothing more than the end result of death, of guilt, of hopelessness and darkness. But here's the beauty, friends. The story doesn't finish on Saturday, does it? The story doesn't stop. For on that day... As the sun rose over the horizon, the Son of God began to breathe again. On that day, when hopelessness was lost, a new dawn broke through the darkness. On that day, evil became unwritten and the words of God started to write a new story of hope, a new story of life. The ground began to shake. The stone was rolled away. And these words would not be the final story. They would just be a comma in the sentence of God's eternal good that He is writing across reality. Friends, on that day, something began to shift. As C.S. Lewis would write it, Aslan was on the move. In verse two, we read, "They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus." While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning, stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, "Why do you look for the living among the dead?" Sometimes God asks us God asks us really weird questions. Let me tell you why we're here. We saw him die. We saw him buried. We're here because we know He's dead. But in the moment, the angels refuse for that to be the end of the story. What do they say? He is not here. He has risen. That word risen, friends. Do you know how powerful it is? Why do the angels say He is risen and not He is alive? Have you ever wondered that? How come they don't say, hey, He is alive? Why do they say He is risen? Why do they say He is risen? Because the word risen is far more powerful than just the word alive. N.T. Wright goes on to say this, the message of Easter is not just that Jesus is alive, it is so much more. The message of Easter is that Jesus has risen. Why? Because Jesus didn't just survive the cross. Jesus didn't just faint and pretend to play dead. Jesus wasn't just twiddling His thumbs in the tomb going, can't wait till Sunday when I make my big reveal, Jesus died. If death is our ultimate enemy, friends, we know this, Jesus looked death straight in the face and He did not run, He did not flinch, He did not blink. He embraced the coldness of death and allowed it to swallow Him up whole, but He refused to let death win. He is risen. And what does that mean? It means that even death, even the worst that our sin and the evil in this world, even the worst thing we threw at Jesus could not hold Him down which means that in this moment, in your Easter Saturday reality, friends, we are called to be an Easter Sunday, people. That when we see darkness in our world, we know that because of the empty tomb and the full throne, the story doesn't finish in darkness, friends, it continues in light. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says that I would declare the praises of the one who called me out of darkness into His glorious light. We know that our world doesn't finish with hopelessness, friends. We know that we now have a hope. This morning, I got a text from a friend who was walking through something in his family that just broke my heart. And I was saying, I'm praying for you. And he texted me back. He said, Michael, you know, I don't know how to handle this. This is new territory for us. But I do know this, the light has come into the world and the darkness has not overcome it. And I thought to myself, that's what hope does. The last thing, the worst thing is never the last thing because we have a hope in an empty tomb. It means, friends, that guilt is no longer our reality. Some of you walked in here today with guilt in your lives. Some of you have clicked onto our services online. I know we've got people joining from Norway right now. You have guilt in your life, but Jesus went to pay the price for your guilt, which means this, your worst sin was not stronger than His greatest moment. That because Jesus rose from the dead, He paid the punishment for your sins and He wasn't found wanting. In fact, your sin was found wanting. It wasn't strong enough to hold Him down. Friends, those of you who walked in guilty today, you can know the forgiveness of the cross at Calvary, that in the middle of darkness, there is a light that shines brighter than anything else. This is gonna happen again. And death. There are people here today whose life is marked by the sting of death. You know it. There is still a sting to death, isn't there? There is still a pain. But for those of us who know about an empty tomb and a full throne, we know that death is not the end of the story that one day we will join Him in the resurrection, that the diagnosis, that the medical report, that the lost loved ones will no longer be lost or dead, that there will come a day when death is just occurred and we pass through into life and life to the full. Friends, that Jesus today conquered death so that you might know we get to write a new story with our lives 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20 says this, but Jesus did raise from the dead the first fruits of what is to come of those who have fallen asleep. And verse 22 goes on to say, for as in Adam all have died, as in Christ all have been made alive. Here's my question I wanna ask you today, friends. Do you have a resurrection story? Do you have a word over your life that you have had to flip as the resurrection power of Jesus Christ has made you anew, put to dead what was in the past and made something brand new come about? Because here's what I know, we all have an Easter Saturday word. We all have a word over our life that speaks death, that speaks hopelessness, that speaks guilt, that speaks darkness. There are Christians in this room that you've forgotten the word over your life before you met Jesus. And so Easter has just become another rote thing we step through. And we ring that one day we'll join the resurrection. The joy of that moment has been robbed from us because we've become too familiar with a message we still need to celebrate. Now, some of you here in this room today, you've been invited by a friend. You maybe found out this is what you do at Easter. Maybe you're here because you you want to hang out with mom at Easter and this is what she does. Who knows? But you're here today, and I need to tell you, there is something being spoken over your life. It is hanging over you like death itself. And there is a hope in the Easter empty tomb that God flips the script on what is written over us. And He speaks a new word, a new reality. Why? Because He is risen. He is risen indeed. Can I tell you the word over my life? 12 years ago, I walked into this church on Easter They actually asked me to play Jesus. I think they were typecasting the role a little bit there, but I'm not quite sure. And I'd made a bunch of bad mistakes. I'd grown up in a great home. My parents were awesome. But I'd actually just been through a bunch of bad relationships. I was badly bullied in school. Had people break my heart. And the word that that continued to be over my life when I was a young boy was that no one wanted me when I was a teenager was that I wasn't good enough. When I was a young man and looking for a relationship that no one would love me. And so what I ended up doing, as I ended up manipulating, I ended up lying. I ended up pretending I was a good Christian on Sunday and being someone different on Monday because the world had taught me that I was insecure, that I was not wanted that if anyone would love me, it would be because I was fake. This is the word of my life, friends. It's one of them. I could have written many things, sinner, failure, but I still remember the sting of being insecure. The fruit of my sin was merely to make my life selfishly about me, that someone would like me. So I did whatever needed to be done to get people to praise me, to like me, because I just didn't like myself. And I still remember, I still remember the day when the words of Jesus breathed something new into my story. Friends, I know the tomb is empty because I've met the one who rose from the dead And when Jesus stepped into my story, He knew my worst day. He knew my darkness. He was there when my heart was broken. He was there when I failed. He knew it all. And He looked me in the eye and I still remember that feeling of Jesus saying, when no one else wants you, Michael, I want you. I want you. I want to make it all new. I want to forgive you. I want to renew you. I want to put to death what was and raise to life what could be in me. And in answer to that, I've told the story so many times, some of you know it, in the back of this church, the old lady came over, I'd never met her before. She sat with me, she said, Michael, God loves you because you're lovable. And I broke down in tears. No one had ever told me that I was lovable and knew everything I had done. But Jesus, Jesus rose from the dead to flip the script on our lives what He wants for you friends is greater than what the world wants. What He wants for you friends is greater than what you want for you. He wants to make you His brand new creation and His imago Day and release you into the world to be light, to be hope, to be forgiveness, to be life itself. What He wanted for me was to be secure. So know I didn't have to strive. I didn't have to compete. I didn't have to Earn, I was loved. There is an empty tomb and a full throne, friends, that says the resurrection story of Christ wasn't just for 2000 years ago, it's for you today. It's for me. So Christians, those of you who are followers of Jesus, I wanna ask you this word. I did this with our staff and our council, our church council this week, and you can ask any of them, they'll have a word. I wanna ask you, hey Christians, if I were to give you a paintbrush, what word would you write on the other side? And what word would you write now? Some of us have forgotten the power of the resurrection is my resurrection, is our resurrection. In just a moment, we're gonna celebrate with people getting baptised. And as they come up out of the water, that's symbolic of Jesus flipping the card of their life and saying forgiven, saying made alive, saying brand new in Christ Jesus. Do you remember your resurrection story? There are some of you here today, you've walked in with a word that's very powerful. A word that says addicted, that says unfaithful, that says untrustworthy, that says failure, sinner, not good enough, hopeless. And God says, I have risen from the dead to remove that word from your life and give you a brand new future. Why? Because He is risen, church. That was three of us. He is risen. He is risen so we rise again as well. Our love, our love, worst thing is not our last thing. There is life in Him. Do you know it today? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Friends, there are people in this room right now who've had words spoken over their life. There are people online right now who've had a word spoken over your life. You carry a word and it's not a false word, it's true were unfaithful, you are addicted. you have failed, you were a sinner, you are. These are not things that we're going to be like, let's chant until they go away. No, they're the reality. But some of you right now with your eyes closed and your head bowed or maybe you're online joining us from a hospital bed and you need to know that that Word is not the last thing for your life. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to take away the sins of the world and by rising again to give you new life. Are you ready for a fresh word for your life, friends? So here, just real basic, I wanna ask in this room, if you've walked in today with a word of guilt, a word of darkness, a word of death, a word of hopelessness, if you're online today and there's a word of addiction, there's a word of failure, of unfaithful, of sinner, of hopeless over your life, I wanna ask this, are you ready for Jesus to put to death what was and raise to life what could be with Him? All it takes is for us to turn and ask for forgiveness He washes away and makes us brand new, friends. If you need that reality today, just like I did 12 years ago, if you need to turn to Jesus and follow the resurrected King, I wonder right now across this room, with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? Thank you for raising your hand. Continue. Keep your hands raised. Keep your hands raised for a moment longer. For a moment longer. For a moment longer. If you're online, there are people right now responding to you and just asking you to just make us aware that you are here and raising your hand. Friends, keep your hands raised because if someone wants to give you something straight after this service, and I wanna pray for you. If your hand is raised right now, if you've responded online, would you pray these words with me? Would every Christian in the room who knows their resurrection story, pray these words along with us and those who have responded today. Dear Jesus. That was like three of us. Dear Jesus. I'm sorry for my sin. Thank You for dying on the cross and raising to life again. Wash me clean. Make me new. Teach me to live again. I choose to follow You as my Lord, my Saviour, my friend. Amen. Jesus, we pray for those who have just made a response right now. It's not the end of anything, but their journey with sin and the start of everything, like a life with you, Lord Jesus. I pray, would you cement in eternity what has started in this room today as we worship? For we are raised to life as you were raised to life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast that stirred something within you or you would like prayer you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our instagram or facebook page